In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning is going to be a different kind of sermon. Uh, Jonathan was commenting that uh, the pericope we had appointed from the book of James was dense. Uh, I'm actually going to try to take you through, uh, as quick as I can, the argument of the entire passage and then in the sermon by just marinating in the first chapter of James. We're going to be in James for the next five weeks. James uh, only has five chapters. It's a short book, but is a dense and wonderful and timely book um, for what we're facing. So it'll be five weeks, uh, five chapters, uh, five sermons. And so who wrote the book of James, because there's a, a few James. Well, of course, James did, duh. But which James are we talking about? Because there's James, the son of Zebedee, who was a part of the uh, inner circle of the three among the 12 disciples, Peter, James, and his brother, John. There's James, the son of Alphaeus, who was uh, also one of the 12 disciples, and then there is James, the brother or kinsman of our Lord. And it is that last one, it is to him, that authorship of this epistle uh, is most often ascribed and was in the ancient church. And if you read it, it makes sense uh, that he wrote it. And he begins his epistle with something audacious. He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That is, when you encounter trials of various kinds. Now, before you get mad at James, you're going through something. Your faith is being tested. James is not speaking to us from the ivory tower of a comfortable life. This is one, uh, he was the first bishop in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, it, it didn't go all, you know, back to peaceful and good and, and bu- let bygones be bygones after the resurrection of Jesus. If you read the book of Acts, there was still a lot of hostility. He was at the center of opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know that James and circa AD 62, was martyred. The most reliable tradition, there's some different traditions, but the one that the great historian Eusebius ends up saying is the most accurate, says that James was, by the Pharisees and scribes, thrown off the top of the temple, and the fall didn't kill him, so they finished him off by stoning him. When ye fall into diverse temptations, count it all joy. How? How can you do that? Why? Because the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect. So are you taking some sort of sick joy in the suffering itself or in the the temptation itself? No, you're taking joy in the fact that what we endure in this life as followers of Jesus Christ is not for nothing. 
The suffering that we endure is not meaningless, but God uses it. God can use it to fashion us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, to, to mold us into the people that he created to be, to use us for his glory, for the benefit of the church, for the good of the world. But you'll notice in there, it's not automatic. He says, but let patience have her perfect work. You see, we, we have a choice when we encounter trials or temptations. And by the way, as an aside, just back up a second. Um, and this is just one of the reasons we're using, we're going to use, you'll notice this with the King James this morning. We used it sparingly um, here and there at, at All Souls. We're going to be doing it for the next five weeks uh, through James. Um, one of the reasons is I just didn't want to deprive you of having the word superfluity of naughtiness read in your presence. I think that's just, I wouldn't be a good pastor if I did that. But one of the great things is that every, it's, it's one Greek word in James. It's the same Greek word that's rendered in most modern translations, either trials or temptations. And I like that the King James keep, keeps it consistent. It's the trying of your faith the trying of your faith, which even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of persecution, there, there's a chance that we can uh, fall away, that we could lose our faith. We'll come back to that in a second. But you have to let patience have her perfect work. So there's a choice. When you're encountering various trials, you can get bitter or you can get better. You can be overcome by the temptation, or you can overcome the temptation by the power of the Holy Spirit, trusting in the goodness of God. Now, the, le the, the letter of James gets this rap that it's sort of like Proverbs. That, you know, he, if you read through the first chapter, and I wish I had printed the whole chapter for you so that you could see it. That he's, he's talking about testing and trials, and then he decides to talk about wisdom, and then he talks about uh, the rich and the poor, then he talks about trials again, then he talks about temptation again, then he talks about the tongue. But all of this is connected. It's all connected. And one of the things that's important to understand when you're reading the book of James is that this is a book. James was a man saturated with Holy Scripture. And he was a man that was saturated with the, the teaching of Jesus. And underneath the book of James is no doubt the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaching. I mean, even, even verse 12 sort of sounds like the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, that endureth testing. And also there's underneath James, the parable of the sower, I would contend. The parable of the sower. You remember that parable? Where the sower goes out and he throws the seed and some falls on the path. And that's, that's when the gospel goes out, the word goes out, and the devil snatches it away. Then some goes on the rocky soil. And because it doesn't have deep roots, it doesn't have deep roots, um, when, when difficulty comes, when trial and tribulation comes, it's burnt up, it's burnt away. And then some falls among the thorns. 
that the, the cares of this life, that riches, the love of the world and mammon chokes out the word and then some falls on good soil. That's underneath this text. And so James in verse five isn't just, if any of you lack wisdom, and then just, oh, I'm going to talk about wisdom now. Wisdom, what? In the midst of trials, in the midst of temptation, how ought we to act? What should we do? But when we ask in faith, we talked about this last week. When we ask for wisdom, we are to ask in faith. He says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And again, as I said last week, that's not that we don't have any sort of intellectual or emotional doubt. The, the word there is literally double-souled, like your soul, being of, of two souls, be, being divided. Are you committed to the, the things of this world, are you committed to, or are you committed to God, to going to him to meet your needs? So we endure these things in our life. Our faith is tested. Our faith is tried. People often ask the question, why does a good God allow bad things to happen? James is teaching us that God is so good that he even takes the temptation and the suffering and the horrible things of this world and he uses them for good. All things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. But then he wants to make sure. He says, let, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So God does not allow these things. God's not trying to destroy us. God's not allowing these things to come into our life. He's not allowing us to be tested. He's not allowing us to be tempted because he wants to see us fall. God doesn't do that. On the contrary, it says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. That God's goal is, is to fashion us into new creations. It says, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He's made us for new creation. He's transformed us by the power of the gospel. It's almost Pauline what James is doing here. Because after he says that he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a first fruits of his creatures, that we're the first fruits of the resurrected life of the age to come. He gives a double therefore. And the King James, a double wherefore. And I've taught you all that when you see a therefore, you need to ask, what is it there for? And the first wherefore he gives, man, if we, James 1.19, if we just had this verse, 
And this is the only verse we obeyed in all of Holy Scripture, our lives would be radically different. He says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. If we were quick to listen, we were slow to speak, and we were slow to get angry. A lot of us, myself included, tend to be the opposite. I'll listen to what you have to say after I've gotten mad at you and tell you what I think. And then the next wherefore or therefore is, is lay apart all filthiness, all superfluity of naughtiness. That means rampant wickedness. It's not where you were created to be. And receive with meekness the engrafted or the implanted word, there's the parable of the sower again, which is able to save your souls. But he says, he's laying the groundwork. James has a lot of different themes. There's trials and tribulations, prayer, care for the poor. But the overarching theme is faith. What is real faith? How is faith defined? How, do, how is it tested? How does it grow? What is its end? So he's laying the groundwork for his discussion in chapter two, and he says, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. And then, then he uses this analogy. He says, if, if you just hear the word of God and you don't do it, you're like a person who, who looks at himself or herself in a mirror. And as soon as you turn away, you forget what you look like. Well, that would be pointless. I mean, you, you, you know, you look in the mirror to get information about what you look like. You know, am I decent for other people to see me? I was looking through the, the kids' activity sheet for today, which we'll get that for you girls. And the analogy, uh, their take on this was, it's like knowing you should put on sunscreen before you go to the beach in August. You know, if you're going to be there from like 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Probably going to need some sunscreen. It's knowing that, but then it's not putting it on. If you're here only, it's knowing that you should do something and not do it. Well, what good does it do you? Knowing that SPF 50 or whatever it takes for you is going to keep you from being burned isn't going to help you if you don't act on that. In fact, there's a biblical principle that when we don't act on the revelation that we have, not only does it not help us, it actually hurts us. If you remember Jesus, uh, his rebukes, woe unto you, Tyre, woe unto you, Sidon, woe unto you, Bethsaida. He says, if, if the miracles that had been done here had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. Greater re revelation means greater responsibility. Being a doer of the word, looking into the perfect law of liberty and continuing therein. 
So he's tying to faith action. Tying to faith action. And he gives some example of a doer of the word. He's coming back around to verse 19, when in verse 26, he says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. James is hard-hitting. He doesn't say, oh, you need to work on things. He says, that man's religion is worthless. It's vain. It's empty. So when we don't have control over our tongues, what it means is we're not walking under the direction of the Holy Spirit. We're not walking in the Spirit. We're not being formed into the new creations that God calls us to be. And then he says, pure religion. Okay, that's not religion. He's like, just talk is not religion. Not just hearing the word or knowing it. Even though hearing it and knowing it are important. It's hard to do it if you don't know it. Right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But faith is transformational. Faith is Trust in and loyalty to Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews and the Lord of the world. And following in his ways. He says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit, or, to visit the fatherless and widows in their distress and to keep himself unspotted from the world. He says, visit the orphans and widows. And keep yourself unspotted, undefiled by the world. What this is, and and this is when James, he talks about the law of liberty. And he talks, he calls it in chapter 2, the royal law. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's That's the holiness. Keeping yourself unspotted from the world. And the loving your neighbor as yourself is the works of mercy. The ones that, that God has called blessed. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so I think we have today in um, modern Christendom, people that want to be one or the other. We're going to be holiness Christians. We're really going to care about Holiness. We're going to keep ourselves separate and unspotted from the world. And people are like, yeah, we're not really interested in like, you know, what God's telling us to do right or wrong, especially not what God's, you know, telling us about sex because we had the sexual revolution. We're just going to forget about all that. We're going to do whatever we feel like doing. So we're going to be justice Christians. We're going to get out there and, and do works of mercy. We're going to care for the poor. And James says it's not an either or. It's not holiness or justice. It's holiness and justice. It's loving God and understand that your love for God will issue in love for neighbor. Love for those who he created in his image. 
I'm going to challenge you over the next five weeks. There, there's a lot here, and three years from now, what I'll probably do is teach through this verse by verse in a rector's form or something like that. But in this sermon, just a, a reflection, and I want you to hear James first as a pastor. One thing you're going to notice uh, about the Apostle James is he's not pulling any punches, but he's saying this from a place of humility and love. Just notice how many times he says, my brethren, which, ladies, that includes you, brothers and sisters, of course. How many times he says, my beloved brethren. He's pastorally and in humility urging us towards the life to which we are called in Jesus Christ. So to, to, to in this, the next four minutes or so, to realize that you are the beloved brethren and to listen to your pastor in the Holy Scriptures and to listen to the Spirit as he speaks through the Word of God. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways." Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. 
Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. <clears throat> 